0: Welcome to Neurons to Nirvana, a platform for creative forces who challenge the unconventional in the quest for creativity, humanity, innovation, and healing of the mind and soul. Join me, Tom Hartridge, on a journey where we celebrate experiences unbound by physical borders or traditional norms, from the inside of the mind to the far reaches of the universe. This is Neurons to Nirvana. I have to preface before I start this episode that I am not a botanist or scientist and so what I'm going to be explaining will be clearly in generalizations. This is more about my personal experience. Ayahuasca translates from the Quechua language as the vine of the soul native to the Amazon region brewed from a jungle vine and leaves of another plant into a tea and has been used by shamans for centuries in healing ceremonies. It's a psychoactive drug because it can create altered states of consciousness. When someone takes ayahuasca the effects can vary dramatically from one person to the next. About two years ago I decided to travel to South America and drink la medicina ayahuasca. I've battled and had bouts of depression on and off for most of my adult life. When I began to hear tales of people cured of addiction, depression, or anxiety issues even after a single ceremony, not just improved, helped, or made to feel a little better, some were claiming to be entirely cured. I had to find out more and experience it myself. I did an extensive amount of research, I read numerous articles as well as excerpts from several books, including one in its entirety, and watched hours of interviews with shamans. I felt ready and tried to be as prepared as any self-proclaimed psychonaut should be. That said, I was still very anxious. So much so that I even missed my original flight and connecting flight from the Mexico City airport and couldn't participate in the first ceremony because I eventually arrived 30 minutes late. Even as prepared as I felt, there ended up being quite a list of things that I wish I'd known before I set out to meet Mother Ia. And still many things now, two years later, that I still wish I could understand. I've had some magical revelations and others were more serious. Ayahuasca is a ceremonial experience. A shaman is a vital difference between recreational and the healing powers of the medicine. When someone typically says they drink ayahuasca, it inherently means to drink during a ceremony. Today's podcast is a two-sided account of my ceremonial ayahuasca experience. You will hear my interpretation of the visions, nightmares, and fears that unfolded, and ultimately, the sense of wonderment, enlightenment, and self-love. My story is recounted just days after the experience, and it's important to know that it's entirely unique to me. I share the story as a participant, and I discuss it with Adam Stammers, one of the retreat helpers from Bristol, England, who assisted the shaman and the participants throughout the entire ceremony. Adam's perspective and insight may help the listener frame how an ayahuasca ceremony can appear from an outsider's point of view. Drinking ayahuasca is a journey in itself. It's one you can't expect most people, even those closest to you, to ever really understand. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here with my uh, good friend. I don't have a brother, but I've got two sisters that are much older. But I've known you for how long, Adam? What, 11 days? No, not long, yeah. And we're sitting here at uh, our hostel at the beautiful Vilcabamba, Ecuador. And I, I just want to get the message out and, and talk about the healing power and our, our very own personal experiences with ayahuasca. Not very many people know as much, nearly, about San Pedro. And they both have such profound ability to open up the healing process and the state of consciousness both internally, how we handle ourselves, as well as externally with our interpersonal relationships mm-hmm. throughout life. I feel as though people we are just living our lives with consumerism, at least in the Western world. I just think everybody needs to fucking take at mm-hmm. least ayahuasca one time. Mandatory ayahuasca for the whole population. <laughs> Can you imagine what the world would be like? Uh, it's start to be a better place, isn't it? But so, Adam, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, how did the medicine call to you? Obviously, was it initially ayahuasca or was it uh,
1: San Pedro? It was, out of the two of those, it was by far ayahuasca. I only really found out about San Pedro and started doing San Pedro from working at Gaia, at the retreat center. Before that, just had like a pretty, I would say like a pretty normal life, but suffered with depression, anxiety, insomnia, uh, a lot of mental health struggles. And at one point in my life, I was like, I need to sort myself out. I can't go on my life living this way anymore. I didn't know how I was going to help myself or what I was going to look like, but I started meditating and that started to give me loads of benefits. And then I started to get interested in meditation with psychedelics. I'd never really done anything drug-wise before, apart from alcohol and stuff like that, which is technically a drug, I suppose. But so I started incorporating cannabis into meditations, then mushrooms, and then ayahuasca just kind of came into my life through YouTube, and I got really, really interested in, like you were saying, the healing properties of it and how it can, well, from the stories other people say about it, how it could change your life. just felt completely right to want to try it, and I did. Yeah, it changed my life,
0: so... Here I am. I mean, that was my biggest fear was I didn't want to shit myself. Fortunately, I didn't. I think it's funny that, isn't it? Of all the things that happened during an ayahuasca <laughs> ceremony
1: and all the things you see and all the different dimensions you go to, there's a consistent fear, probably like number one of being sick in front of people and shitting yourself in front of people. And so <laughs> actually, on the scale of things to be worried about during an ayahuasca <laughs> ceremony, that's actually pretty low
0: down, pretty low down the list. For me, it was it was the most beautiful thing I've ever experienced. I had had a lot of experience. Growing up, I'd suffered from, I'd say, probably around the age of 16 or 17, depression, to a degree, and also anxiety. Those were when I went off to boarding school. That was when the, I first encountered and was placed on, had to take antidepressants. And I was embarrassed about that. i didn't want to the way I was raised by my parents particularly my dad who's no longer with us he was born in 1933 so the Great Depression or the end of it is don't ever show chinks in your armor right but the funny thing is is my mom used to try to scare me and say that if I took LSD or something that would change your state of consciousness like that that I would become schizophrenic. Now, I've always been a little bit rebellious, and of course I didn't listen to a fucking word she said, <laughs> because by the time I went to you know University of Georgia and started going to see like widespread panic and fish, these jam bands where it's sort of part of the scene and the, the counterculture. That's not why everybody goes, but it was sort of my act of rebellion to eat mushrooms or eat LSD. I've always been rebellious. Like, that was sort of my way of looking, I wanted to look at the world differently. Mm. And people compare ayahuasca to mushrooms, you know, through my research from Terrence and David McKenna, who are considered that David McKenna is Terrence McKenna's brother. He's still alive, but not Terrence. But they're sort of botanists and what's called psychonauts, you know, people that are enthusiastic about, finding ways of altering your states of consciousness. And mushrooms, are they're definitely, in, I would say, a, a cousin of ayahuasca. But when I first took ayahuasca, you know, I thought that I was prepared for what I was going to experience. And in a sense, I was. I had a good foundation. But I think I was so fucking hung up on the fact that I was going to either A, shit myself, <laughs> or B... i I was more willing to throw up in a bucket Mm. you know when you're in ceremony and that was the one thing like i i still haven't to i've only taken the medicine medicina they call it or the medicine twice and i'm i know with the utmost certainty that i'll take it again drink take the medicine again i want to sort of ceremoniously vomit like When we were in ceremony, you're supposed to lean towards the fire. Is that correct? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The ritual of the ayahuasca ceremony is a critical part of the healing journey. If you are curious about what to expect, there are consistent elements of every ceremony. This is just a brief overview, and I recommend you do even more research for yourself on the ceremony in the area where you intend to travel. First, we are asked to arrive in the early evening because typically ceremonies are held at night. Arriving before the ceremony begins to show respect for the healer or shaman leading the ceremony. The ceremony begins in silence as the shaman calls each of us to take a cup of ayahuasca. The shaman then drinks a cup as well. After La Medicina begins working, the shaman sings beautiful songs traditionally known as ikaros, during the entire ceremony. The songs help the shaman communicate with spirits and ask for help in healing treatments. Shamans sing throughout the ceremonies. We navigate through our own experiences. The beginning of a ceremony is where the consciousness starts to expand. Vomiting often happens early in the ceremony, but not always. Purging is a cleansing process of both the body and mind to create an environment more suited to healing. Ayahuasca ceremonies include the use of special tobacco known as mapacho as shamans direct smoke with their breath to cleanse the spirit and body of the patient. Mapacho is also used to cleanse the space, the drinking cup, and the brew itself. The ceremony ends with a song to close the healing circle. After the end of the ceremony, participants are encouraged to eat some fruit or light vegetarian dishes to regain strength. Some discussion occurs to share our recent experience before the groups leave to rest after the very long night. I think we're um, actually talking about Tom's first experience. <laughs> what I was trying to get at is the fact that I thought that I was prepared. I, I don't eat LSD much anymore, but I'm, I'm a true believer, so why I got so excited about ayahuasca was the fact that I believe anything that comes from the ground is safe. Mm-hmm. So watching people and listening to people on other podcasts talk about benefits, I was just struggling with, I'm tired of taking antidepressants, you know. Mm. I've been, since my dad died, I've been taking regularly Wellbutrin, and it's sort of just like a crutch for me. And I know that I have the strength within me to live a better life. Like, ayahuasca for me, I came mentally prepared as best as I could, even though I was flipping the fuck out, like I I missed the first ceremony because I had an anxiety attack and wasn't ready to get on the plane. But when I showed up to the retreat, I I just felt like I was at the right place. And Mm -hmm. I knew that ayahuasca was gonna be such a profound healing process for me because when I got out of the truck, you know, Adam, I saw you and who else was there? Carly and Sinclair, right? And you all were hugging me. I was like, "I'm not used to that, unless, well, unless I'm fucked up." (laughs) 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 You know, I'm not a touchy feely kind of guy, unless it's my girlfriend. Or, but that's the thing is, like, I knew that there were things that I was blocking mentally from my upbringing and and who I was that needed just to open the floodgates and to see what exactly is, you know, causing me to feel the way, act the way I do, or or not open up to people, because it's hit or miss. But when I first met you, Adam, you said, I knew I liked you because you said, you have a famous voice where you sound like you do a podcast. Well, like, well, actually, I'm in the middle of starting a production for it. So I said, great. <laughs> Thanks for the encouragement. Yeah. And one of the main reasons why I came down is... For the grief of losing my best friend, who was my dad. Also, I knew that I needed to confront my depression in a better way. Mm-hmm. Because the fact is, I don't... I just need to reboot. Therapy is great for people, but mm-hmm. it wasn't doing wh- what I needed. Um, so when I met you, I felt a connection. But the funny thing is, is I was... People from the retreat, whether it be Ryan, Justin, I mean, I was a, there was so much nervous energy for me that that day. I missed the first ceremony, so I deliberately went to bed before my roommate came back because I didn't want any, Mm. I just didn't want anything creeping into my fears any further. Now, granted, when I showed up for breakfast, some people looked like they'd just been beaten up. Mm -hmm. Yeah because they were confronting things that maybe they had forgotten about or seen things, or Mother Aya said something that was harrowing or frightening to them. Mm. I mean, it was was really hard for me to... I was just a nervous wreck. I mean, I was cracking jokes, shooting the shit with people, smiling or trying to be friendly. But in the back of my head, I I was a nervous ball of confusion. I was sort of Mm -hmm. a wreck. Yeah. But the ceremony itself was beautiful, and because I've, I have a pretty vast experience with both LSD and Magic Mushrooms, I've microdosed both at work, also at when I've gone on stage to do open mic performances. So when I took that first cup, I, I started to get some visuals and I, w- I had a sense of elation and big sheep eating grin on my face and giggling a little bit. But I had no idea what was about to hit me that second cup. Mm. Because I was like, oh, man, I can do fucking stand-up right now. <laughs> Boy, was I wrong. So when it was time for the second cup, when the shaman said, that, you know, is everybody ready? And we all took the second cup, it was... It hit me like a fucking bag of bricks on my face. My mobility was still good. I mean, Adam, you were sitting on the outside of the maloca, correct? Yeah. So what did I look like when I got up? Because all of a sudden, I went from being like, oh, man, this is no big fucking deal, to like, holy shit, what have I gotten myself into?
1: Yeah, I mean, cognitively, cognitively, you seemed quite with it. The only time there was like some sort of physical uncontrol that you had when we were on the bench by the toilets, when you were sort of uh, kind of bending over a little bit and your legs were moving. That was the only lack of control that you had over your physical body, really. Other than that, you seemed pretty much there, pretty much present physically and mentally because you are able to describe your
0: experience pretty well. Well, so that was the thing. So I thought because everybody else was puking and shitting around me in buckets or going to the bathroom. I went up to the bathroom. You helped me walk up there. And I was, during orientation, before I I started the first ceremony, you know, they say, if you're freaking out, ask Mother Ayah, please be gentle. Mm. And, um, again, I still had this fucking fear of shitting myself. (laughs) So I didn't know what to do with myself. I was on the floor. I got on my hands and knees, and I'm listening to everybody in the other stalls just bleh, fucking, you know, ralping, or you can hear massive farts and diarrhea going on. And I'm yes. like, which one do I need to do? And I hopped up like a cat, like, freaking out. And I was, I think I started pacing around. Yeah, you were, like, going in and out of the cubicle with the door open for, like, 30 seconds to a minute. I was like, is this guy going to go in the fucking toilet or what? <laughs> I Come went into the, <laughs> the following night or the next day, like, I went up there, and I, I'm pretty sure, i pretty I might have busted the bolt or the, the oh, hook. Oh, right. might have been that guy.
1: Oh, shit.
0: I don't know. What, did I? I, it, I,
1: don't know. I didn't see
0: that at the time. It but. certainly came to mind, but I was yeah. like, fuck, did I do that? But because I don't, there was a sense of panic. But when after the first cup, it was this soothing sort of hues of, of different colors for me, a little bit of geometric um, visuals, both with my eyes open and closed. I'd say they were stronger when they were closed. Mm. But once I went up to that bath to the bathroom area, I was seeing variances and, and nuances of, of hues of color from when I was having even walking up to the bathroom I had these beautiful hues of blue purple God I fucking got this but then Mm. I heard everybody shitting and puking around me so like oh do I have to and then it started turning yellow around me for me I thought that's when I kind of started to panic Mm. and didn't have to shit or puke but I had this just sense of anxiety. I remember sitting next to you, you know, as I stated earlier, losing my dad, who was my best friend thus far in life, it's just been such a void. It's gotten better as time has gone on and progressed, but I wanted to confront that grief. And so I asked Mother I Would it was so fucking weird, because I asked Mother Aya... Well, I speak to my dad tonight, and she kind of, at that moment, she was being sort of nice, but then I just felt like she just fucking elbowed me in the face <laughs> and said, look, your father, your dad is here with you. He'll always be with you, but it's not, this is not the time or you, you won't talk to him or see him, but one day. Mm-hmm. And was what was I doing at that point? I Was I just jabbering? talking about my dad because there was I was yeah. being vocal about it yeah you didn't say a great deal about
1: your dad really a lot of the things you were saying were based around you feeling like you were in hell or that you were dying and that you've been a bad person it was more along those lines that was like the main theme from what you were saying I think there was a few things you said in there about your dad but yeah the main thing that I put on picked up on was that you felt like you were in hell
0: or experiencing hell and that you were dying you looked at me, so you weren't. I'm so appreciative for the fact because you didn't, you were not stroking or making me feel better. You weren't babying me, as I like to say. It was the the facial expression on you. You're like, what in the fuck are you talking? About? <laughs> like, yeah. who is this motherfucker? I don't know. <laughs> you know, you're reflecting now. I think it's amazing. I think it was the best approach with me. And I don't think that was really your intent now that I reflect. Like, I think you were just sort of thrown back. Yeah. Were you? To, to begin with, yeah. Um, I've still not had
1: a lot of experience of helping guide people through their ayahuasca journeys. And everyone's experience is always going to be so different. So I think with that being said, you're always going to be trying to maybe take a different approach with people and trying to work out who that individual is, what approach might work for them so it's always gonna be difficult but yeah i was just i was trying to work out what to say to someone who thought they were in hell I'm like that's never a conversation that i've ever had with anyone before well,
0: the reason why i thought i would i was in hell is because i was looking up at the sky and it went from this beautiful bluish green tint to while my when my thoughts began to start to go negative yeah the sky fucking went Red. Yeah. I went from actually it went from blue to green to purple, then red. Yeah. Like gl- sort of bright red. Or it was a little just, it was crazy because the mind is a powerful thing. And when I started thinking in negative thoughts about how I'd hurt somebody impulsively, whether it was a, a girlfriend or something in the past with my actions. That's when the sky started to turn red. Yeah. And I said, fuck, am I going going to, to hell? And and then instead of shitting or purging or puking, I was yawning some while we were by the fire in the Maloka. But my body started to convulse. Yeah. And I was sort of wobbling. And I felt as though my body was going to stop. Mm. And was I looking at you... While I was doing that?
1: Yeah, you were looking at me and it, it looked like you were convincing yourself or you felt convinced that that was it, that you were dying, that's it. This is like the last moments you're going to spend on Earth type thing. That's the impression I got anyway.
0: And you, you were looking and I said, is this it? And you said, are you all right? And we had another guy from our group who, it was cold as shit that night, so he was wearing a mask keeping his face warm. And he's a, he's a bigger guy. And I swear to God, I thought, I thought it was the fucking corner or somebody come get yeah. pick up my fucking body. Because <laughs> <laughs> I looked at you and said, "What are you gonna do with me?" And you said, "What do you mean? Uh, you mean internally or externally? Said, <laughs> or are you gonna send my body home?" <laughs> yeah, that was yeah, that was funny. I remember that now. Yeah, I had these thoughts in while I was. Talking to you, but also these inner struggles where at times I felt as though I couldn't verbalize what was going on in my head. Mm. Um, But Mother I said, you're stronger than you think. And I I do think we had that conversation because what did you, you know, I I said, I'm just, I'm a weak person. Yeah, that was, yeah, you were saying you're
1: weak. And then I was basically just trying to tell you that just by coming to the retreat and taking the medicine and being in a space where you're open to work on yourself, that takes more strength and courage than a lot of humans on the planet right now currently have. I didn't, yeah. think, I didn't think you were
0: weak. What's well, all set and setting, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and that goes with any hallucinogenic. Um, because if you're in a bad place, for me, when I've eaten, one of the worst experiences I've ever had tripping on any hallucinogenic is I was on academic probation and I went and saw widespread panic and I was in a bad spot. I'd just gotten a underage drinking. I was on probation, a secret probation. Fortunately, I didn't have to go to jail or anything. Back then, it was just a fucking ticket. But it was just negative stuff in the back of my head. And I just flipped out and was about to leave the the concert. My friend was like, are you serious right now? And going, my point in saying all this is, ayahuasca is not a party drug, so... You can't just like drink it and, <laughs> Fuck, no. and hang out and socialize. You need a shaman to help guide you. Yeah. It's a must. An absolute I mean, that's what I think and yeah. anybody who's an expert with the medicine will tell you that. Mm.
1: And not all shamans are good shamans either. That's another good point. So, yeah, so I think it's important to do the medicine with shamans rather than no shamans, but it's also important to try and find reputable shamans, ones with pure intent, because there's some out there that don't have those things. Definitely worth being careful over.
0: Without question, because Mm. now people are learning more and more about ayahuasca. and, And I just saw an article about Men's Journal about how a man from Canada was taking the medicine. He seemed to be doing better, battling from his depression, whatever. I think he was a divorced a uh, single father, but he ended up murdering this poor 83 year old famous woman outside of a And then of course the local people who they immediately strangled him, I think with a chain or, or a belt. And so the, these horrific things have happened and it's because he took it out of ceremony. Yeah. He thought he was, well, I mean, like I was joking about like, Oh, I can do stand up on this shit. I mean, it's ridiculous, but I think he sort of had this these ideas of grandeur mm-hmm. and it got taken out of, you know, mentally for him. He, he took it. Going back to finishing up my experience, I was sitting on the bench with you, Adam, and we're looking at the sky and you're still kind of toying with me, or at least I thought. Mm-hmm. I thought that you were a messenger from God. I thought that you were t- you were looking when you were fucking with me. Or I thought you were telling me, yeah, mate, you're going to hell and <laughs> you're already there. And then I don't – please enlighten me. I don't know where the message changed. Yeah, I think I do know where that changed. What was um, it?
1: Well, as I mentioned to you before, like we're kind of instructed as volunteers and helpers to – not try and interject too much and interfere with your experience or try and guide you with our own words. A lot of what we get told to encourage people to do is be like, trust the medicine, ask the medicine, focus on your own experience. But what I noticed with yours was that, that was there was like a, a loop going on for five, ten minutes of that same pattern. I think I'm in hell. Felt well. like a year. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it was only five, ten minutes, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, Felt like eternity, I, I swear. I... My gut feeling and my intuition was telling me that that was going to go on for a while longer uh, if I just stayed as that blank space or like held that space for you. So that's when I started to actually talk and open up to you and try and figure out what was going on. And that's when I think it changed because I was in part of your experience in a way and I was trying to navigate that with you. So that's where I think the change happened from that
0: point on. And what's so crazy now is you were sober. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I thought you were te- you were on ayahuasca as, as well. I mean, the shaman, typically they do drink during ceremonies with uh-huh. the participants, correct? Oh, the shamans Always. do it every single time. Always, yeah. right? Every yeah. single
1: time. Yeah. yeah, it's only the helpers in the ceremony, the, the sober ones, because um, we need to be able to walk you guys to the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. I was you in such an ones.
0: altered state of mind, like, I thought you were fucked up with me. Yeah. Or, you know, an angel telling me no no, buddy you're you're fucked you're going to hell (laughs) (laughs) what kind of angel would say that (laughs) I'm a dark angel yeah true you know um, but when we were looking out at the sky I thought we were in another cosmos galaxy and Mm. we were and mother I was telling me basically both heaven and hell and what was so crazy is you verbalized that to me while that was being said to me mostly it wasn't She took the form. It was so crazy. It looked like this sort of insect or this ominous presence of a female like insect or something at that moment when I thought I was going to hell. And then she turned into a beautiful woman. Still, it was in black with the surrounding colors behind her. But it was weird. It was so fucking strange how it was my voice talking not somebody else's it was mostly consultative you know my yeah you know, voice struggles and i was i know i was muttering stuff to you you know just words here and there but i thought you were the messenger telling me no and then that guy with the mask on i was like fuck so what are you all going to do with my body <laughs> and uh this is just a portal that's going to send me to hell. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, when you did start to interact with me, just, I started feeling these waves of of positive energy. And then the skyline, I looked, I thought we were in another planet. It was so fucking beautiful looking at that skyline with Mm -hmm. the moon and the trees. And then I just sort of had this, Eureka, like, and I looked at you and I was like, Wait, you mean I get to live? Yeah, I remember you asking <laughs> that now. Yeah, yeah. And you said, Yeah, mate, you get to live. And you know, and I said, I get to, I get to see uh, and hang out with all these badass great people down at the fire. And I was smoking a cigarette at the time. And You said, Yes, you get to eat all the great food. And by the way, you need to get back down there. <laughs> and I said, I will. Just let me finish this smoke because <laughs> I feel like I've just literally just been. been Mentally fucked in the head yeah. and taken back. But it was such a, a moment of just utter bliss that to appreciate that really, you know, life is such a beautiful thing. And we, we take it for granted with all this shit that we get, whether it be work or bills that we have to pay or if we're, you know, not doing well with our girlfriend or boyfriend or whoever, whomever is important in your lives. You just really, you, it was such a great thing to be sort of to realize how beautiful life is mm-hmm. and that, you know, heaven really is on earth. It's what life is, what you make of it.
1: Yeah. I'm
0: sure yeah. I, th- I think that's the key, key takeaway message that we
1: often think of like hell, earth, and heaven as like separate places. But oh, no. uh, the messages that I've got through like my spiritual development and and healing work is that. It's kind of up to us as a human species and a a consciousness to create our own version of heaven on earth in this 3d physical plane right now and if every and everyone's heaven's going to look slightly different to everyone else's but if we all created that for ourselves and knew what that looked like and how to create heaven for ourselves then we're all going to be walking around really super happy in bliss mode peaceful and then we won't have to interact with other people's like versions of their reality we'll be like this is heaven for me and I'm okay with that. I think that is the process that we're going through now is just trying to integrate that godly realm of heaven down onto earth now. And earth is an amazing place if we let it be. And if we learn to love it, it does take a bit of work because there's a lot of shit going on.
0: But uh, (laughs) I heard that at least from two or three other people from the group that they've experienced profound sort of horrifying moments where they thought they were dying as well. Mm. Um, But... After that, just coming to and realizing that how precious and how beautiful life is. It also, taking the medicine, ayahuasca, it teaches you to love yourself. And that's something that I hadn't been doing. I mean, Mm -hmm. I've been fortunate to have many people in my life love me, but I wasn't loving myself. Um, I wasn't doing anything too or terribly other than smoking cigarettes. I mean, I haven't, I've been fortunate enough to not take it too far or, but it just, the fact what ayahuasca did for me is it opened up the realm that life is beautiful and it's what you make of it. And you've just got to take the reins and, and move forward. And, Appreciate other people's energy because I feel like everybody in this world, we're all guilty of it. We are... We've got our blinders on and I don't know what I would have done if you hadn't helped me that night, Adam. I mean, it, I think... I know one thing. Like, if I were sitting in my apartment by myself, God <laughs> knows what would have happened. Mm. Um, you know, it's just... That's... My point in bringing that up is you is set and setting. It's so important. Like, this is not a party drug, but it, I do think that it has such benefit to people who are in pain and suffering, and even those who don't think they are dealing with anything concerning trauma, or I just think it can help anybody. I've said this in an earlier conversation. Like, I think that all world leaders should take it once,
1: because mm-hmm.
0: it will break your ego down
1: more than once I'd say
0: but once, yeah. I mean several it, times but yeah, I mean at least once. I think that if you took it at least once some of these world leaders that are uh, just well I mean you know that be, we need to do like you know the summits where they get together like the EU the summits g, the and g stuff. G8 G7, G7, yeah the G7 like uh, g like right just now. do an
1: ayahuasca ceremony instead all of like like
0: them all the fucking I mean, leaders together can you together. imagine what the world would be like if oh we had God. Putin and Trump and all those people all with- on San Pedro together <laughs> yeah Oh, mine will be sick. When I think of myself in South America, it's not drinking the ayahuasca alone that resonates with me, but being there with courageously vulnerable people in an atmosphere where everything focuses on healing, helping and valuing ourselves. All of us had a very different experience and this is an important point. There's so much information online that it makes it sound like drinking ayahuasca at a five- or seven-day retreat is some kind of magic potion that provides an instant transformation that resolves all emotional and mental difficulties. Well, I'm sorry to say that it doesn't. Everyone in the group I drank with has talked about how difficult they found the experience to understand and integrate back into their daily lives fully. For some, including myself, life seemed even more of a mess when I arrived back home than before. Sometimes I feel like I'd done it wrong, and I'd tear myself down that I couldn't even drink ayahuasca properly. As I said, it was nearly two years ago. I still battled depression at various levels of intensity. The most severe levels were right after my mom passed away earlier this year. Of course, I still get anxious about where my life is going. And now, thanks to ayahuasca ceremonies, i would received messages throwing some of my core beliefs and ideas into complete disarray. Having your life, habits, and values called into question is going to be massively destabilizing, even if it ultimately leads to positive results. I spoke about my ayahuasca experience still in the immediate afterglow. Taking the experiences and insights back into everyday normal life has been a real challenge. Nevertheless, I still believe in the healing power of Ayahuasca. It set me on a journey, one that solidified my drive to launch this podcast and share the stories of healing and knowledge to the world. And in between, our feminine plant teacher of the Amazon, Mother Aya, shared her healing space with San Pedro, the masculine plant healer of the Andes Mountains. Join me on the next episode where Adam and I explore the differences between how the Amazonian vine delivered visions of death and a cactus indigenous to South America's largest mountain range made me want to dance and tell jokes to the other members of the retreat. Thank you all for listening. Until next time, this is Tom Hartridge with Neurons to Nirvana.